the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. And there seems to be a bird loose in the studio. <laughs> I wonder if that's a hint of what's to come today, Ben. It will all become clear. Excellent. It sounds like it's going to be a real hoot. <laughs> I was just going to do a pun on hoot. Damn it. Oh, have I, have I beat you to it? I beat you to the hoot. <laughs> beat me to I beat it. your hoot. Um, uh, before we start the episode, uh, just wanted to thank a few people for feedback that we've had over the few last few weeks, uh, especially Ian Liston-Smith, who uh, has given us lots of feedback on some of our episodes. He was actually talking about the uh, Chipping Norton UFO that we did when we were looking at the Midsummer Moving Stones that James from The Lawmen was talking about. And he puts an interesting theory. He seems to think, because of the star alignment and the movement and stuff, it could have been the Northern Lights, which I think is quite mm. an interesting thing. I would have just been exci- as excited to see the Northern Lights in Chipping Norton as I would a UFO, so I'm happy either way. Gosh, me too, me too. Um, and Ian also uh, expressed that it was sad news that we announced the other week that... Jared Williams, who we'd uh, interviewed on the podcast and Ben was doing various bits with, had passed away. So um, thanks for that, Ian. I also, I was a bit sad this week as well because uh, uh, Paul Ryder from the Happy Mondays passed away this week, which I think is very sad. Nothing directly to do with Paranormal, but I was a massive Happy Mondays fan. So, um, well, I am a massive Happy Mondays fan. So, uh, yeah, little shout out to Paul Ryder from the Happy Mondays and, you know, all our, all our best to his family and friends because um, it was yeah, taken yeah. away well, from I, us I, too I, I, think, I, I think also, like, he does have a connection, obviously, to Sean, and Sean has done a lot for elevating um, UFOs in people's consciousness. So yeah. I think there is a connection there. But, yeah, it's, it's always sad, like... These people are your heroes when you're young, and then suddenly this happens, and it it reminds me of it. Well, reminds one of your own mortality. It's horrible. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yes, so we've got uh, we. I'm assuming that little owl hoot that we heard at the start of the program is a little hint about what's coming up today, Ben. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, so this is a I, I I want to talk about a book. Um, it's the Messengers: Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee by Mike Cleland. This is kind of it's going down as a bit of a legendary book. I would say it's a legendary book, and other podcasts have covered it. And usually, we don't want to do things that other people have covered. But I was I was so intrigued. I bought it and then I read it and I thought I can't not do it because it's so in contrast to some of the other books I've covered it's really well written and some of the stories are gobsmacking and I think it's a really unusual thing to think about which is you know the what are owls and I think that is kind of what he's saying throughout the book uh what is right. the nature of the owl and that might sound like a really peculiar question but i think it won't sound like that after i tell you some of the stories so mike cleland 
he he does his own podcast you can you can find that and um he's a a fairly influential author and a commentator on the ufo phenomena but this book was reissued in 2020 and uh it's been out of stock for ages and i just managed to get a a a hard copy of it it's very difficult doing podcast stuff off um of digital copies because you sort of i don't i find you don't take in quite as much and i like to bend corners and cover it in highlights and all that sort of thing and so i think well maybe we just get stuck into it and let me start by this is how mike starts his book is how he realized that maybe owls was something special and he uses the word manifesting and it made me think as well the word manifesting has become slightly associated with the paranormal i think like i don't often use the word manifesting in day-to-day you know day-to-day parlance you i don't go to tesco's and say they're manifesting apples (laughs) but he very early on in the book talks about owls manifesting in his life in fact that is one of his opening paragraphs and for him it all starts in the autumn of 2006 and he's camping with somebody he says he hardly knows her name is Kristen and they're out in the mountains near his home now um we all we we all have if you live in the UK we all have an imagination of these vast spaces in america and that is really what he is describing he talks about hiking to this beautiful spot and they're sitting on a big big flat rock in the middle of an open meadow and the sun is setting and it's warm and calm and he's preparing dinner on the camp stove it's kind of the american dream right it's it's almost like something out of a, a spielberg movie before things really kick off it, it it's got that feeling hasn't it it's it's as you were saying before you described it i knew that was what you were going to describe it as and it's just it is almost quintessentially perfect isn't it the camping location although we covered a few a few stories of ufos and camping i'm not sure yeah. i'd ever go camping in america <laughs> given the likelihood and the high probability that you're going to have some kind of alien or paranormal encounter well it instantly reminded me of incident at devil's den yeah where they you know he describes being in um a meadow on the side of the mountains but as he as the evening goes on he describes that they're talking about all kinds of things and the talk moves on to spiritual beliefs and insights and he realizes that he and Kristen have got a bit of connection and then out of nowhere these three owls join them and they're circling them and they appear one two three and they're swooping silently above them almost as if they have picked them out and are putting on some sort of demonstration for them and it lasts an hour And during the time where these owls are putting on this display, they 
they're just going about their normal business. They put out their sleeping bags, they look at the stars, and the owls... Not the owls. Ca- <laughs> no, well, they're looking at the owls as well. But he describes... <laughs> That's this, one hell of a and- show. <laughs> 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 what the owls putting out sleeping bags that would yeah. be good <laughs> come swooping down and say i'll just i'll just clean up your barbecue for you and then we're done <laughs> <laughs> um but he points out that owls have these specialized feathers so they're amazingly quiet and he talks about this eerie stillness and that comes up later because this book is the first one to define the Oz effect. And we'll talk about that later. But the Oz effect is the it has become to be something that is referenced amongst people who, uh, it, 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 I guess, examine and experience the paranormal. It describes something where there's an eerie silence, um, the frogs stop, stop croaking, the birds stop singing, the cars stop moving. But um, he, he says that this experience is absolutely magical. And he almost thinks nothing of it. But it's that connection with his companion and the fact that they were talking about existential things that like, maybe piques his interest in things. Maybe there's something more in this. Um, but then it happens again. Less than a week later, Kristen and he are out camping again, and they're in a completely different area. And this time, it's only a single night of camping, and once again, the sun is setting. It's beginning to feel a bit cold. They go up to a nearby hilltop to see the view, and he's thinking, you know, the walk will warm them up a bit. And... After this short hike, it's about 10 minutes long, they sit down to look at the view, and exactly the same thing happens again. Three owls appeared, and they flew around them. And they swoop in close, and he describes this time they perch on nearby branches. And eventually they land on the ground within a few yards of where they're, they're sitting. And they sit there staring at them and this seems to him like highly unusual behavior three owls who start swooping around them because you don't really see them in threes do you no every time i've seen owls it's they've they've been solo or you i mean i guess you might have mating pairs but three is a kind of odd number because we're and weirdly while you were talking ben i have got a very small owl jot for you um because we've got two fields behind us uh, and we have two owl boxes. Uh, we hadn't really seen the owls this year until they're barn owls. Um, and I saw an owl about three weeks ago around dusk just flying around. So it made me think of that when you said about the timing of when they saw them. But you mentioned earlier about owls' feathers and. Uh, me and my mm. son were walking in the field last night and we found a massive owl feather and we brought it home last night. And I was literally, before we started recording, I was looking at it. I've got it on the windowsill. So uh, it's not the biggest job because we have got owl boxes in the back, but it was weird that we saw the feather. Well, synchronicities is something that comes up in this story, but oh, okay. 
I will say, um, up until today, you had no idea that we were no. doing owls. So, no. yeah. Um, I'm going to hit you with a couple of massive synchronicities in a few minutes. But that okay, is cool. that is that is unusual. Um, but so, going back to the story, Mike... All, all that's happened is he's gone camping and twice three owls have circled him. But on the second time, they have settled on the ground and stared at him and his colleague. And that is a bit weird. Owls don't tend to do that. Yeah. And so he has a bit of a, a think in the pages of the book about, you know, what's so unusual about seeing bird, uh, owls. They're just birds, right? And in fact, he even has a chapter on um, the anatomy of owls because it's kind of interesting. It's not necessarily paranormal, but it is interesting. I mean, owls are interesting animals anyway. But yeah. he starts delving into the UFO phenomena, and this is where he starts pulling together the, the cases of UFO abductions and sightings and that relationship with... Uh, with owls and the people who experience them and owls. So I suppose the first one that really grabbed my attention in this and makes you think, oh, I can understand why he's made this connection, is uh, a paragraph he calls Owls in the Desert. And he says, what follows is a good example of an owl showing up in relation to a UFO sighting. It was told to me by a guy named Derek. There is a lot to the story implying a depth that goes well beyond the initial event. Um, we won't go there, but what we will pick up on is the fact that Derek was camping in the Arizona desert in the summer of 1995 with three friends. And this is a story he told. He says, we had set up our tents in a long canyon with steep walls on each side of us. Two of my friends had gone into a tent to retire early and I stayed up to talk and stargaze with the other guy. The night sky was incredible and we were lying on the desert floor in line with the canyon. In mid-conversation, I noticed an extremely large owl sitting on top of a cactus, maybe 20 feet from where we were lying. I could see it really clearly and I had not seen it land there, nor did I know how long it had been sitting there, but it was staring directly at us. I clearly remember not only feeling really excited at spotting it, but also a little uneasy at how intently it seemed to be watching us. I felt very exposed. I think the scale and openness of the desert kind of struck me in that moment. As soon as I pointed it out to my friend, it took off in flight. We resumed our conversation and a bit more time passed, maybe 15 minutes or so. As we were talking, a large black triangular craft came from behind us and flew along the top canyon wall to our left. It was wake-shaped, a very dark matte black, and had a row of red lights with smaller white lights between each red light along its side. It flew silently, extremely quickly, and completely mirrored or hugged the topography of the top of the canyon wall as it flew. It went from entering my peripheral vision towards the horizon in the direction of our feet and out of view in approximately five seconds. That said, 
I feel like I got a pretty clear view. Look at it. It was really close, maybe 75 yards away, and it was large, about two-thirds the size of a commercial airliner. It was completely silent and really fast. We both immediately sat up and I turned to my friend and asked, did you see that? To which he responded, yes. I asked, what did you see? His response matched exactly what I described above. I asked him if he thought it could be an airplane and he said he didn't think so. So this is the first real example he gives of there being a unusual owl associated with something that is UFO related. Right, and 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 almost the it almost feels like the owl is almost a premonition of what's to come in that story. That it's you know yeah. Well, we'll it, get we'll a, get onto that. It's shaping the weirdness in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a premonition, but it's this recurring theme of an extremely large owl, and and it's the fact that the owl pays attention to the person who then goes on to experience the thing. Like, as you have just said, you live in an area where there are plenty of owls. I live just down the road. I see owls when I'm driving back late at night, probably one in ten times, and you see them in the car headlights in, in the autumn, especially flying along. But they're, they're not they're not large. They don't pay any attention to yeah, you. Yeah, they, yeah. They're just out yeah. hunting. I mean that they're a bit ethereal because of the way that they move and when you see a ghost owl you can understand why they're called ghost owls yeah well like the barn owls as well you know because we we had um because we got the owl boxes there's this this kind of charity group that come round and uh tag the owls brilliant name they're called the borg (laughs) (laughs) the the Buckinghamshire Owl and Raptor group, which I just love it when they've they kind of Land Rover arrives. But they uh when they tagged a couple of the young fledglings, they let uh me and my kids hold them. And barn owls, especially, especially baby ones. In fact, I'll put it on the cover of this episode so people can see the photo I took. They do look really odd. And when they fly, the the even the adult ones, because they've got that massive head compared to their body there is something quite bizarre about them full stop let alone all these you know seeing an oversized one that's looking at you on a cactus they are they're odd creatures they are odd creatures and i think one of the things that mike tries to um pull out in that chapter about the anatomy of the owls is it's that that size of the head which has given them the reputation of being, you know, the wise old owl. Mm. In 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 reality, in in our reality, in terms of ornithological reality, they're not massively clever. That head is designed to accommodate a very specialist sight system because they they hunt at night. But I can understand why people would say, you know, oh, big-headed bird, it's probably smart. Yeah. yeah, But Mike, Mike goes on and he starts pulling examples from other people's work and um, everyone I'm sure who listens to this, if you haven't come across Whitley Strieber, you've probably heard the name and you will almost certainly have heard the name of his book Communion, 
which is a factual account of his own alien experiences. And I didn't realise that Strieber has uh, an account where he talks about an experience with an owl. And no, and uh, Mike relates it like this. This is an extract of um, Whitley's account of of all of his experiences but this one comes from december the 26th 1985 and he says i awoke the morning of the 27th very much as usual but grappling with a distinct sense of unease and a very improbable but intense memory of seeing a barn owl staring at me through the window sometime throughout the night i remember how i felt in the gathering evening of the 27th when I looked out onto the roof and saw that there were no owl tracks in the snow, I knew I had not seen an owl. I shuddered, suddenly cold, and drew back from the window, withdrawing from the night that was falling so swiftly in the woods beyond. But I wanted desperately to believe in that owl. I told my wife about it. She was polite, but commented about the absence of tracks. I really very much wanted to convince her of it, though even more, I wanted to convince myself. So this is part of his story about abductions, and this owl is playing an early part in it. So as you've just heard, I I don't need to explain to you all, he thinks he's seen an owl. It doesn't seem that owl exists, Um, but he's trying to convince himself that it really was a real owl. And we'll get on to real owls later. But I just thought that was super interesting that mm. um, somebody with the the presence, knowledge and influence and, you know, everything else that comes with Whitley Strieber as a, <clears throat> I, I, I guess, a really solid contributor to the UFO law um, has had this, um, this owl experience. It's um, it's almost in the way that he's written it. I got the impression he's like going, "I really want that to be an owl." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's which which in in itself is kind of odd because you know that would be a spooky experience to have, even if it was just an owl. A, it's looking at you in the window, forgetting all the tracks in the snow and all that stuff. Just an owl looking at you through a window would be a freaky experience in itself. But, you yeah. know, the fact that his first reaction is, I really hope that's an owl, was what I got from what you read. Yeah, wow. Well, that is just the first of a number of adoptee, um, I guess, experiences that he presents. The one that really caught my eye next was from somebody called Karina Sable. And she's an abductee from Oka... Oh, God. It's always these flipping other names. Okanagan Valley. I'm going to go Okanagan Valley of Western Canada. I'm sorry, everybody from Canada. I've never been there. I do hope that's true. But when you're here please try and interpret the signs for Leicester when you see them. They're not spelt like <laughs> Leicester. It's all about where you grew up. Um, yeah. She recounts, as he describes, an odd owl event in her book, The Collectors. She'd been stargazing at night with her children and a friend named Rob. They were all at a lake together, enjoying the nighttime sky. 
there came a point when they all noticed an unusual stillness. This is the Oz, Oz effect, right? And and uh, as I say, this is he is not the only person to point this out. The air was suddenly cooler. There was an odd smell. Right at that moment, the kids said that they were feeling tired and wanted to sit in the car. So they all went to the car to rest. Then everybody fell asleep. And I also wanted to point out here, this is something we see again and again and again in UFO um, law and sightings. People who see something unusual in the sky and are instantly compelled to ignore it, tell everyone to go yeah. inside, go to bed. It's this peculiar well, feeling, isn't it? I I think I mentioned it the other week. I had that when I saw a triangular craft. And I, I'm like I'm not saying it was a, a UFO that I saw, but um it could have been a stealth bomber or something like that. But it wasn't um where we lived at the time, it wasn't like there was a military base or anything nearby. It could have been. But over the years, what's kind of made me a bit funny about it is, I guess I was just pre-teens. I was probably 11 or 12. Mm. I was absolutely obsessed with UFOs. Mm. <laughs> absolutely obsessed with close encounters of the third kind. And I remember as a kid, you know, even when I'd hear a plane, I'd run to the window and go, oh, my God, is it a UFO? It never was. And then I remember I was walking with my mother and we lived on an estate and I looked up and I saw this triangular craft, very much like the craft you described earlier on. And what was weird about it is both me and my mother went, that's weird, and then ignored it. And I always think back on it and I go, God, was I that level-headed that I just thought, oh, it's just some weird plane. But I look back at it and go, I was obsessed with UFOs at that time and running to the window whenever I heard a plane noise. And then I see something which is quintessentially weird enough to feel like a UFO sighting. And I just go, oh, that's interesting. And just keep walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that... That happens again and again and again, which, which in itself is, is freaky, and weird. Yeah, and I'm not um, saying I'm not saying it was a UFO. It probably was some military plane, but it was it, it was more. So it wasn't the sighting that bothered me the most. It was my reaction to it, which was yeah, pretty nonchalant, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in this story, everyone who'd fallen asleep wakes up about two hours later and they're feeling disorientated and a bit nauseous. Two people had headaches. One of the children had a bloody nose. Everyone felt awful and they all agreed to head home. Karina was driving slowly and at the first bend, right in the beam of the headlights, they all saw what she describes as a typical grey alien standing at the side of the road. She goes on to say, I slammed on the brakes in the middle of the road and screamed. The children and I began to shake uncontrollably, but oddly enough, Rob just calmly turned to me and said, what are you guys so worried about? It's only a big owl. And this is one of the stories which I guess starts to intimate that some of these things are screen memories 
So we've right. heard about screen memories with owls, with deers, with, with our other animals. And this is one of those really peculiar ones where some people see the thing for what it is and other people see an owl. And, and in the, the scenario, because in my mind, when I think of a screen memory, I feel like it's something that's planted in someone's memory from an outside source rather than somebody not being able to comprehend what they're seeing and turning it into something else. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that your description of a screen uh, memory yes. or could it be both? Um, I think it can. So I think it can be both. I, my, uh, I guess the typical, like the Hollywood screen memory is, um, you meet a bunch of grey aliens, but then the morning after, and this is kind of X Files esque, mm. you think that you've come across a bunch of really large owls or even um, some deer with glowing eyes or something like that something that replaces the missing time in your memory banks and replaces it with something that isn't terrifying and i think what this story is saying is that perhaps sometimes that either those things glitch so either this was an encounter that they had with um aliens who abducted them and some people were susceptible to the screen memory and some people weren't, or, or it is just a an encounter with people's own imagination, and there really was just a large owl there, and the other people are freaking out. And I think that's completely, completely possible. I'm going to, later on in the story, at the appropriate moment <laughs> that I have flagged, tell you about a story that I had with an owl, but at the same time, I had a completely innocent story driving home with my parents through the new, new forest when I was, I guess I was about seven years old. And my mum saw a wallaby and tried to point out the joy of a wallaby. For anyone that doesn't know, there are small pockets of wild wallabies that live in the UK that are um, derived from escapes colonies and but because i didn't know what a wallaby was and even when i saw a wallaby i was terrified and i my mum had to come and sit in the back of the car with me because i was terrified but freaky because of the long feet and and the way they move as well we we talked about it as you know potential werewolf sightings could be put down to wallabies i remember we did an episode where we talked yeah yeah that's right yeah although it did it did make me wonder if these aliens are projecting these images into our head yeah Zorgo said to his mate what are you you done a bloody wallaby we're not in australia we're in england (laughs) get the deer get the deer fire why are you doing a wallaby (laughs) (laughs) well um this is not my uh this is not my big reveal so i don't even have a big screen memory no no i do i do have um I do have a weird story about owls, but I want to insert it at the appropriate moment. But I do, like, I lived, I grew up um, in a village in the middle of nowhere in Oxfordshire in the UK. And 
you do get times when, like, when I first learned to drive, so when I was 17, 18, driving back uh, from nights out at, like, three in the morning, you get herds of deer across the road. And the weird thing is that they tend to congregate uh, together, like, in the autumn periods. I don't know why. It might be just be a feeding thing. But the first thing you would see when you're driving along is you see all these pinpricks of light, which are their eyes, through a mist. And then you you kind of slow down and then you encounter. And there's there's like a couple of hundred of them. And, and they, they all... They don't run off, do they? They, they do not well, run well, off. And when I've come across them, they don't you. run off. And you, you're kind of left... That's freaky in itself. Cause it they is. Look, you're just stood there or your car, you're in the car, you're not moving. Are you going, when are they going to move? What do I do? Yeah, I've had that. Yeah, and you have to inch forward and they yeah. sort of part very slowly. Um, but it's terrifying. Uh, but I can see why that would make a great screen memory because, you know, I'm not saying any of those encounters with, with deer are paranormal. That's just how deer behave. But at three in the morning when you're quite tired and driving through an isolated road and you see this and they won't move it's terrifying so why not use that as a screen memory i think that's 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 kind of interesting what it kind of it it plays on that thing of it's freaky enough but it's understandable enough i think that's what Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that works either way whether it's the planted memory or it's just your own brain going i can't deal with what i'm seeing I'm going to replace it with an image that is equally slightly off and weird, but feels more natural. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So just to move on with Mike's story, he then starts like speculating on whether these owls are real or screen memories or indeed something else. And he then has like this kind of i've never i'd never thought of this until he suggested it so he he talks about people who were abductees who claim to have tiny implants in their bodies and we've heard of this right we um and getting evidence for what those implants are is really hard sometimes you know they're taken out and doctors say oh it's you know it, it it's just a piece of um glass or something like that but usually they appear as unusual things in x-rays when people say i've never had an injury in that place and we don't really know the truth on that i think alien implants is a really peculiar and strange branch of ufology but what he does say is if those implants are working in the way that people who claim to have them say they are which is that they're tracking their movements and they assist with their abductions and all of that it's like a built-in gps chip if you like yeah those apple trackers right yeah oh they're so delicious the chocolate ones um He says, if those tiny implants could be put into people, 
they could certainly be put into owls. So is it possible that there is a tiny technological gizmo that aliens put into owls and turn them into owl cams so that they're observing humans before abductions? Uh, You know, he claims that it's an out there theory and a weird thought, but it's something that occurred to him. And I thought it was worth mentioning because it is an interesting idea. There is um, the 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 it's it's completely possible, I guess, because it happens in nature that you can turn creatures into drones. Like there are uh, wasps that turn ants into controllable drones, not through any sort of technological thing but just because they put poison in their brain to uh make it so that they enhance their breeding program and you know we all know about that but this is just a really weird and interesting thought he doesn't you know as i say he's not saying it's true or not but i just thought well that's that that's that's an interesting thing is he saying bagpuss was ahead of its time (laughs) (laughs) well well, now modern cultural reference. Now, now you say bagpuss, but was that not a woodpecker? Yeah, well, it's funny because what was I've I, I just done a Google and it looks like a woodpecker, but a lot of the posts say it was actually an owl. But it looks like a, despite being a bit well, aloof, Professor Yaffle, Professor Yaffle, uh. Hold on, let me just... No, you're right, it's a woodpecker. But if you search what was the owl called in Bagpuss, it says Professor Yaffle. This Ooh, tells even, you... Even more mysteries for us to unpick. I was going to say, <laughs> even more mysteries. And we're going to come on to cultural references of owls because owls are hugely culturally referenced, like probably more than any other bird. And there has to be a reason for it. Yeah. But before we get there, when he after he talks about, like, is it possible that owls are being used as almost um, alien observation drones, alien nanny cams, basically, is what he's talking about, he cites some really, really bizarre stories. And these are the, this is the, I suppose these are the stories that made me want to talk to you a lot about them because... I read these and thought, good Lord, I've never seen anything quite like this. So I'm going to tell you first about Ashley's story. And I'm going to, I'm going to read it as an excerpt from the book because I can't put it any better than him. What follows is a short excerpt from an account written in October 2010 by a young woman named Ashley. She begins by describing something unusual in the night sky and in the wake of her sighting, weird things begin to occur. She writes, I had to pull over to the side of the road. There was a large flying object hovering in the sky above me. It was making no sound whatsoever and was flying very low, about a house and a half high. There weren't any flashing lights on it, only a red dangling string that was lit up. There were three cars pulled over behind me and the guy from the first car was taking pictures. 
The pictures were unclear. You could only really make out the red light. After seeing the UFO, I started noticing some weird things. I started having encounters with owls. And he then goes on to say, Ashley asked the same thing as Mike had been asking and had been plaguing him. Why owls? She was seeing and hearing them with a heightened frequency that scared her. From what she described, these seemed to be real owls and not screen memories. She also started having strange dreams with both owls and UFOs together. Along with all that, she wrote about an odd experience with her mobile phone. Two weeks ago, I woke up to a text from my boyfriend that said, What the hell are you talking about? When I checked my outbox, I noticed four strange texts that I don't remember sending. I saved them to my phone. Message one. It will identify all planes in the sky, will detect unauthorised flying objects and will warn them of aliens nearby. (laughs) Message two. Yes, destroy it. We must hold our ground. Message three. You will remain undetected. Message four. They threaten us, but they are weak. Report back to me. She says, I don't know what these mean. And they don't make... It's not the booty call he was looking for, was it? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's hardly send nudes. Um, And she says, you know, these things don't make much sense. But that is one of the first encounters that he records where there is so kind they say, of sorry they say like physical that, evidence somehow she is let's go with this thing that the owls are you know some kind of surveillance device that are sending information back is somehow she's kind of tuned into that is that is that what that's alluding to do you think um i think I don't really know what it's alluding to. I think it is a... So, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. It's either a psychotic episode or she has encountered some kind of alien influence that is leaking over into her day-to-day life. Yeah, okay. Right. But then... Then we get some stories, which is what we've been waiting for since you talk about the jot, which are really more, I guess, um, I guess they become more unusual in terms of their synchronicities. So that last one, not massively about synchronicity. It's a, it's a, it's a peculiar thing and it's sort of it's a bit similar to people who have their phones on overnight that record voices in their bedrooms but this one um really took my took my attention because it is a story completely filled with the name ben (laughs) and he has a contributor who is called ben and there's going to be a character in here called ben so let's just assume that everyone here is called Ben. 
<laughs> and uh, he says Ben has a significant story. And it begins when he takes his kids out hug, uh, hiking on some nearby trails. And while wandering through the forest, an owl appeared and followed them as they walked. It accompanied them for miles, sweeping in and out of the trees, flying farther down the trail and perching above them, then watching as they hiked by. His children, he said, were excited by the presence, but there was something very mysterious about it, he says. Later that evening, he tucked his children in for the night and uh, Ben read them a book. They had picked out at random, prior to him coming upstairs, a book entitled Say Boo, which is the story of a ghost named Ben who could not remember how to say boo. In the story, Halloween was nearing and Ben the ghost was desperate to find his voice. Ben the father was reading the book and said, Ben looked up, so he's reading from the book, Ben looked up and saw a large owl sitting on a branch. Just as he read those words aloud, his dog started to bark frantically at the back door. He put the book down and went outstairs to let the, do- let the dog out. When he opened the door, he had the uneasy sense he was being watched. He looked up and immediately found the source of the feeling. There was an owl looking down at him from a large pine tree, and Ben feels certain that it was the same owl that had been following him and his children all day. The words, Ben looked up and saw a large owl sitting on a branch, had been the last thing that he had said right before opening the door and seeing this owl. That would freak you out. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? That That is is weird. weird. And, um, like, I do think it's easy to put that story down to just coincidence because in, in all of the billions of things that happen in the world every single day, it's completely possible that that would happen and you would go... Maybe somebody bought the book knowing that the person who was going to read it was called Ben. Do you know what I mean? It kind of all tied in. But even if you discount all that, just having that strange encounter with the owl during the day and then, like you said, the last words you say... Oh, you look up and see the owl, and then you do is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this this synchronicity thing that kind of I think you can probably sort of explain that one away. You probably put that down to a kind of we were talking about the jot scale the other week, weren't we? It's more of a really really good jot than you know I would level it as out-and-out paranormal on the jockish scale. But but in a way, I find those almost... They make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up a little bit more because they are just a bit like a screen memory in a way. They're just a little bit weird, but they look like something that could be explainable, which maybe that's that's the correlation between what you're talking about, a jot and a screen memory in some ways. I agree. I agree. But I'm going to challenge you to explain this next one away because this, 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 I think, I think this is the best story he has in his book. And he goes like this. Bridget Barclay is an experiencer from England and she has an owl event that is both 
mystifying and frightening. And it happens on October the 9th, 2011. That evening, Bridget went to a local electronics store to get a combination printer scanner. This... <laughs> I know. It's not the greatest start to a story, I know, is it? <laughs> I know. This isn't, how, this isn't how I would start a film. So on my way to PC world. Well, this is this is this is exactly right, yeah. But it it I promise you it gets weird. It gets better. Okay. She says she wanted to talk with the salesperson, but he was busy with another customer. After a long wait without any help, she decided to come back later. It was nighttime when she left the store, and as she approached her car in the parking lot, uh, you can see it's an American who wrote this. She saw something on the pavement near the rear tyre. When she got closer, she saw it was a printer scanner. It was out of the box, but it was brand new. Her immediate thought was that someone had been watching her in the store and was playing a trick of some sort. She was flooded with paranoia and quickly got into her car to drive away, but was so shaken that she couldn't start the engine. Like, had she really seen the exact item that she'd been looking for sitting right next to her car? Did she put it in the car? Did she take it? Well, she says she was awash in self-doubt, but she got back out and touched the printer scanner to prove that it was real. Why was right. it sitting there? She looked around the entire parking lot. I, I'm reading his way. It's not parking lot. It's a car park. She scanned the entire car park, wondering if anyone was watching her. Then she picked it up, put it in the front seat, and drove away in an anxious state of shock. But this is this is where the owls come in. The route home ran along narrow roads through rolling farmland. As she drove, she tried to make sense of what had just happened in the parking lot, car park. Her mind was reeling as she approached a corner in the road. Then she heard a sudden loud voice in her head saying, I see you. At that moment, a big owl appeared in front of her and hit the windshield with a mighty boom. The bird bounced off and disappeared. Bridget's heart was pounding as she stopped the car and she felt desperate need to find the owl. There was no traffic so she backed up slowly and looked for any sign of it in the tall grass along the side of the road. But there was nothing. And that, I think, that is the weirdest synchronicity story he has. Like, and you wouldn't make that up, would you, about the printer ink? No, printer. no, because it's such a weird thing. It's a weird it's, thing it's, to talk about. It is. It is. It's a. It's absolutely a strange thing. A, you know, Although going the owl to could shop have said, for a printer scanner. The owl, the owl could have said it's going to cost you a fortune in replacement cartridges. Oh uh, well, well. <laughs> we all know that in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> Just copy it with a biro. It'll be so much easier. It's such a but, weird thing to have an encounter with, though, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't wow. it weird? Isn't it weird? And that's the thing that I love about it the most is like coming up with that. Yeah, of course yeah. we could all come up with that. 
but a story about how you went to buy a printer scanner and then somebody left a printer scanner by your car tire yeah. and then an well, like, owl we were jo- bumped we were off your about it. It's not the greatest start to a story and it doesn't feel very paranormal. And A, you wouldn't make it up because it doesn't start off well. You know, it doesn't pull you in right from the start. And B, it's so random, isn't it? It is random, um, but what it makes me think of is so many of those jots that we spoke about and we have in the episode and we've spoken about since are really mundane. They're they're really, really mundane. And it's usually about finding documents or finding a piece of jewellery, not even an expensive piece of jewellry, but... Mm. Or the clock, a piece of... Travel clock. clock, Yes, the travel clock. Yes, absolutely. And what this says to me is that, you know, what we, we always say that connection between um, the different elements of the paranormal phenomena, they are closer than we, than we really think. Because in this case, we've got a really unusual jot connected with an owl, which is connected to the UFO phenomena, which is connected to the abductee phenomena. And, and connected to the printer. <laughs> and connected to the printer but but one of the things you you know that we we talk about which is um the simulation hypothesis this is something that mike brings up he doesn't really go into it into any depth but um he does talk about that relationship between all of the different phenomena that are coming through and and that that specific story tells you a lot about how they're all connected. Mm. And I just thought that was like, I I think I've read that story like before we did this in the last week when I was going through the book, I read it sort of 10 times and tried to make sense of it and tried to work out a rational explanation for it. Like uh, the, the only rational explanation I could get was, um, there was a shoplifter and they they took this they dropped it and they were trying to hide it behind a car because they were going to then pick it up again and move again but there were too many people around and they went away but that is a that's a big reach i like i think and how does the outfit into that unless as a getaway costume it dressed up as a large owl (laughs) do you know what i mean it's just yeah no exactly exactly well but the owl could be a coincidence like i don't think we can rule coincidence out of this but but having that really peculiar incident and then having the owl incident i can understand why mike included it because um i like even just even without the owl having the The i went into a shop to buy this thing then i didn't get served i came out of the shop this thing was by my by my back wheel i picked it up i took it home i and you know a printer scanner i mean it's not an unusual thing but also like of all the things that a computer shop sells 
it's it's really very specific but i will yeah. say again like it, it this is not beyond the realms of complete coincidence it is possibly a shoplifter a owl that doesn't understand the highway code and somebody who is putting you know two and two together and making five it's completely possible and, and, and a bit adrenalized and kind of confused about why they found this printer in the, you know what i mean so in a way you've taken yeah. it you must have a feeling of oh have i just like you said if the if the logical argument is somebody stole it dropped it you've just then picked it up and stuck it in your car and drove off with it you'd have a feeling of should i have done that and she obviously did because she got in the car and then got out and put it back in so she's obviously adrenalized and probably a bit of stress going through her own brain about what she's doing but even still yeah you know fascinating though because you and it's we say this a lot on the podcast you think of that story and you go, let's go with it, that there was something paranormal, you know, about it. For why? <laughs> yeah, why? yeah. What's that about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I get aliens trying to kind of maybe implant something in your brain to make you feel that you'd not seen them to kind of, you know, almost... Uh, conceal their identity or turning owls into some kind of you know observation device like that bbc documentaries that the wildlife documentaries where they have the kind of fake elephant or the fake tiger that they kind of (laughs) badly looking which they remote control into the pride so they can get real close-up photos it reminded me a bit of that but so you can see that but you know i know what we'll do We'll leave the printer out that she was going to buy, but she didn't. <laughs> and then we'll scare her on the way home. Perfect. It's like, why? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the point? <laughs> but but there, but when we... The, the whole what is the point is is the whole thing <laughs> the whole that we point. come... It's, it's the whole point of everything we're asking. What is the point of... You know, when we were talking to Ruth, like, people... Uh, experiencing ghosts jumping into the road in front of their car where there was not a yeah. recorded incident of a death. Uh, the jots, ghost stockings. Uh, the, the woman, the, the stockings, the, the woman who reports the uh, alarm clock changing yeah. in, in, in her baggage. And then when, you know, because we're on the UFO alien abduction tip at the moment, the number of people who claim to be alien abductees and, you know, we're, what we're talking about is there an assumption of a highly sophisticated alien race that is able to pull people out of their beds and through walls and solid windows and yet returns them with their pyjamas either inside out or somebody else's pyjamas or yeah. they're wearing wellies when the wellies were downstairs. Like, what is the point of this? How is it possible that you could do these things and, you know, and, and purport to be who you are? This is why it all comes down to, in my mind, you start going, oh, there's a trickster Okay, where's the tricks to come from? It goes to, uh, you know, like a simulated universe and 
some 14-year-old boy who's having a lol with us all because it none of it makes sense. None of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, hang around at uh, retail parks. <laughs> Let's go and hang around there. Let's hang around PC World and carpet, right? It's just really odd. Um, <laughs> World of I, leather. I c- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for for anyone outside the UK, world of leather is not quite what you're thinking it is. <laughs> it's not a theme park. No. Um, the other thing I was thinking, I, I I was kind of buying that the owl could be a you know type of surveillance device that aliens were using to spy on us. But then there was part of me that. Guys, if you've got the ability to travel halfway across the galaxy, wouldn't you go for something a bit smaller, like an insect or a? Because it's almost like they want it, they want you to see it. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it's some hidden surveillance, it always. If you go with the story, it almost feels like we want you to be aware of this thing, rather than you know a moth. They could have gone for a moth. Because you wouldn't think twice about a moth banging against your window, would you? Well, it, uh, no, that's true. Although it might be that uh, moth moths are... W- 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 actually, I'm going to come on to moth ban. Funny you should say that. But Ooh, it might be that moths are too readily consumed by bats, for example. Oh, I see. Like, so they've gone for owls... like, the nighttime apex predator. Right, yeah, exactly. That can exactly fly. Exactly right. Yeah. They can fly. Yeah, yeah. Because they're but actually the a same, bat. You wouldn't same could happen with a bat. I was thinking bats as well. Oh, that's interesting. But 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 like your your point is valid. Like if you can transverse billions of light years, surely you can make an observation drone that is small, mechanical, and isn't gonna get eaten by bats. Yeah, um, and unedible. But, and, and inedible, yeah. But at the same time, is like if people who say they have alien implants are credible, then why put an implant in them? Why not yeah. accompany them by, you know, if I was if I was an alien with all that technology, I just create a blue bottle that looked like yeah, a blue exactly. bottle but they followed them around because they wouldn't have any suspicion. Like yeah. it's this, it's this leaving of evidence, which is so bizarre and yeah. it doesn't seem necessary. And, but, but, but Mike, you know, like one of the things that he talks about is the prevalence of owls in uh, at least Western culture. And, he, he cites many examples, but he talks about um, Bohemian Grove. And I think probably all of us have seen the Bohemian Grove, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird place where it seems like lots of leaders of the Western world get together to, mm. you know, talk about out. things. We, we know it's a real thing. Um uh, there was before Alex Jones went mad. He made uh, he made a film there, and we know that they've got a giant owl there. Apparently, it's a forty five foot tall. Uh, it's wooden, st- right? No, no, it's stone. Um, oh, okay, and there's people that worship at it. 
but 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 you 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 made a point earlier like owls are really prevalent in our culture like bagpuss aside we've we've got things like the owl and the pussycat the wise old owl winnie the pooh there's there's the wise owl in 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 winnie the pooh um when we hear owls in modern culture they're 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 revered right and we talk about them as being you know harbingers of knowledge and things like that even even though they're really not they seem to have a a special place and this is something that has happened for millennia um mike points out that the the first recorded minted coin from athens in 300 bc has an owl on the side of it isn't there that one where the capitol building in the states the u.s yes that's right yeah that's supposed to if you draw an outline around that it's supposed to be an owl right that's connected with the bohemians as well right yeah that's right and and then there's there's some he points out some things which I'm not 100% convinced about and I didn't want to bring up here because I think it denigrates some of his other evidence. But um, he points out that in the Turin Shroud, there are two owl-like figures perching on um, the the, sh- uh, the elbows of what is perceived to be Christ. I don't, right. I don't see that. Um, he... He proclaims that to be a thing. I I think if the Turin Shroud is real, those things more look like ink blots more than anything yeah. else. But well, yeah. So they say, yeah, it's like you're down a rabbit hole, aren't you? Of is it real? You're you're, you're, you're down <laughs> a rabbit hole. It, yeah, yeah. But I I do think that in Western culture we do have a very specific. Uh, direction towards owls which is that they are wise and i think the unspoken thing is that they are ethereal and carry um knowledge which we don't have and i know like i just said i rubbish that because owls are not that clever but if we go with mike's theory what if that is true what if they are what if what we see is a version of owls in our reality but owls in another reality are something different and that is a really that's a big that's a big leap to make but i will say and it's probably just because of what they are and what they look like and what they sound like and the fact that they're the only birds you can hear at night and like well they're not the only birds but like they're the most prevalent bird you can hear at night but all of the fairy tales all of the stories um all of the folklore that revolves around any kind of bird is largely about owls it really is but when i read this and we like to bring our own personal experiences into this podcast and and i think i've spoken about this once before but i remember incredibly clearly i would have been about i was trying to do the maths i'd have been about 10 years old 
And I don't remember dreams from one night to the next, nor does anybody. Um, that's just the nature of dreams. Um, but I had one outstanding dream when I was about 10, living in a new house that my parents had bought, where I was taken out of my bedroom. I was taken through... So um, we lived in a, an upside-down house, so the bedrooms were downstairs and the living area was upstairs. I remember being pulled through the ceiling of my bedroom, being pulled through the ceiling of the, the living room and flying above the village we lived in on the back of an owl. And it was the most vivid dream I've ever had. And as you, as you can tell, this is a dream that is at least 37 years old and uh, it sticks in my memory and this is the reason why I picked this book really because Mm. that dream will it it won't leave me and I remember it so clearly I remember seeing the village from above I remember flying really high and seeing seeing the country from above and seeing the curvature of the earth and i'm not saying it's paranormal it's probably just something because i've got a vivid imagination i remember reading at the time i was reading the the children's book the owl who was afraid of the dark um my dad was teaching me about um countries on the globe and my dad's like really into physics so he was talking to me about like how the earth and the solar system work and all of that so it's possible just, that he's just i was a, just thinking was was we're walking in the air on the radio oh god well. <laughs> alec jones can get away he, from he this did, he didn't sing it but that's a, that's another thing um or he wasn't on the record um i was going to ask you a question about the dream actually well, I've got two questions yeah. about that dream. Um, firstly, did it feel different to other dreams that you'd had? Was did it did it yes. feel so a bit like my sleep paralysis? I'm not saying it's sleep paralysis, but like my sleep paralysis moment, it felt there was something not normal dream about it. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. And then my second question is, having read the book, has it changed your opinion of that dream or given you any kind of insight? Um, No. Uh, I think it's given me an insight into... uh, how often owls appear in it yeah appear in people's memories and insight um but i don't the way you described it when you were a minute ago when you talked about it it almost sounded like you were looking for something from the book but it doesn't sound like you found it yeah yeah you're right yeah i was i was wondering whether anybody had experienced anything similar Mm. and 
and and I guess there were some people who experienced something similar, but nothing bang on the nails. So mm. it wasn't anything I could hang my hat on. So I'm not going to pretend. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I'm I'm not going to believe that this was anything other than the 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 most vivid dream I've ever experienced. Yeah. But at the same time. I do think it is weird that I can still remember this dream 37 years on and I can remember it frame for frame. And um, and I, I think the more I've got into the, the topics that we've been covering on this podcast, the more I find it disturbing that I can remember being... Um, moved between stories in the house. I think that's weird. Mm. And, and and were you scared, or was it? It sounds like it was a when you when no. you described it, it sounded like a pleasurable, amazing experience. Much better no, than getting a tr- photocopier, right? <laughs> or a yeah, printer. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it was sounded amazing. It was you know, joyful. When you said seeing the curvature of the Earth and all that sounds amazing. Yeah. So. It wasn't a disturbing experience. No, no, right. no, not at all. No, right. no. But but the the main the main thing that sticks with me is the giant owl. I mm. I can remember the giant owl, and it was huge. It was really huge. It was, um, it was this. It it was at least the size of my dad's car. It was enormous. Were you, on, were you on its back? It wasn't holding you in its claws, or well. That's a really interesting question. I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember how how I was associated with the owl. Yeah. No, I remember the owl. Um, certainly it wasn't anything painful. It wasn't like being held by its talons or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I remember... on its back because that's a great image. Like, you know, it's very Harry Potter-esque, isn't it? It's very Harry Potter-esque, yeah. But the 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 thing that I remember, like to this to this day, what I can tell you with without uh, without because I'd never make any of this up. It's I remember being in bed and being woken by a giant owl, and the owl was black and white. All of it was black and white. And then I remember being going through the ceiling of my bedroom and the roof of the house, going above the house and uh, seeing everything in the village and then going higher and seeing everything that was around, all the lights that were around... And I remember the swooping feeling that you get in your stomach when you're on a roller coaster, that kind of yeah. light butterfly kind of thing. Yeah. And then I remember going higher and higher and seeing the curvature of the earth. And then I remember the owl taking me back to my bed and standing by my bed and then walking out of the door. Those are the only things yeah. I remember. But I remember it massively clearly. And I do think it's weird that I remember it 37 years on. But I will say it's complete... Like, kids of 10 have extraordinary Mm. imaginations. 
and it's really possible like because i remember at that time like i say my dad was like talking like my my dad is fascinating he was talking about like radio signals and how shortwave radio works and the curvature of the earth and all of that and um i remember like at the time like when when you're at primary school in like 1985 you do a lot of nature projects so um we we were doing like we had to do like art projects on birds we had to uh like we were involved in projects where um we were categorizing birds eggs um helping with local uh conservation things so it's absolutely possible and likely that I was just informing a dream from those mm-hmm. things and I I'd maybe just eaten a whole bunch of cheese before <laughs> I went to bed that night. I, uh, I I don't want to say that this is paranormal, but I just think yeah, it's yeah. weird, that's all. Yeah, well I, I weirdly I was thinking either way, it doesn't really matter. Cause it just sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds like even if it was just a I was gonna say bog standard rather than paranormal dream what an amazing thing to experience uh i was it was but let me let me just finish with mike because he goes he goes on to talk about like so many things but he talks about the the mothman because i think that is is relevant because um what he's trying to do is bring in other aspects of kind of like flying entities and their relationship to paranormal entities. And he introduced me to something which I'd never heard of before, which is the owl man. And this is, this is kind of like Britain's Mothman. And the, and the owl man um, appeared in Cornwall. And I have heard of this. Have you? Yeah, I have. I can't remember much about it. When you first mentioned it, I thought, am I just almost, creating that image but i have heard of this carry on right so the first instance that he he brings up is um in the 13th century at saint saint uh, this is my country how do i not know how to present this saint mornan church um which is about a mile outside the village of uh, Mornan Smith, yeah. which is in Cornwall. And there's an encounter with it there, but it becomes more prevalent at Easter weekend in April 1976 because the eyewitnesses are a pair of sisters. It's nine-year-old Vicky and 12-year-old June who were in the area on holiday with their family. And um, the kids are walking through uh, the town uh, or the village and they see this creature that they can't really explain. But they do do a, um, uh, I guess, an eyewitness report for it. And it looks exactly like... Mothman. The Mothman. I'm looking, I've just Googled it. I can see it now. Yeah, it does look exactly right. like the Mothman. 
Yeah. Yeah. And they they dis they describe this thing as having absolute evil. And that's what they feel from it. And uh, there's not really a lot more to say. They see it, they, they record it. They, Did they tell, mention, they tell it, didn't the Mothman have red eyes? I seem to remember. Did they mention it? Oh yeah, that? the Mothman had 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 red eyes. So the the encounters with the Alman kind of differ, but um, the these kids do describe it as having having red eyes. You're absolutely right. Yeah, wow. yeah. I, um, yeah, but I, it's, I, I loosely knew about it. I didn't, but I yeah. Now I'm googling it. It's not. It's, it's not like I knew the story completely, but I have heard of it. That's amazing. Yeah. And 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 so what what I guess Mikey's trying to do is to bring together like there's the mythology, there's the UFO abduction stuff, there's the crypto uh sightings, and it's kind of like it all goes into the category of what are owls? And like because they play such a large part in Western culture as we were just describing, we don't know. But I think it's really exciting, and I think it's something that we're probably gonna have to, if we're gonna solve what this mystery is, this is a good place to start because. If 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 we can work out why owls are so prevalent in all of these cases, then we might just get a little bit closer. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think either way, it is, it's fascinating. If you go with the paranormal stuff, it's obviously incredibly fascinating, but... A bit like your story about whether it's a dream or not a dream. It's fascinating anyway, and I think the whole mythology around owls are just incredibly interesting. And the fact that, you know, mm. e- even, you know, the Bohemian Club or whatever they're called, that, you know, there's these obsessions. And, the, you know, arguably the wealthiest, most powerful people in the world are obsessed with owls, depending on your perspective. But, there is something, but you know, I think of Twin Peaks. I think of there's all kinds of stuff that comes flying into your brain, and yeah, and they are amazing creatures. Although, although it does remind me, I, I mentioned earlier, we had the the Borg, the Buckinghamshire Owl and Raptor group who came to tag, tag uh, put tags on the uh, baby owls in our field, <laughs> and after we finished, I was standing there. And the guy said, oh, give me your hand. And he he put this kind of black thing in my hand. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, oh, it's an owl pellet. And I said, oh. And I was I didn't even know what it was. I'd just come from London. I was like, I was like, oh, what's that? He said, oh, if you put that in a glass of water overnight, all the poo will dissolve and you'll be able to see the bones of what the owl's eaten. And I'm like, whoa, I've got, I've got owl shit in my hand. That's probably been gurgitated up or whatever. It's like this, I know, don't want it in my hand for God's sake. So that kind of took the shine off the owls for me. Well, I suppose 
Where where I ended up with this was, <sighs> you know, the Douglas Adams book, "So Long and Thanks for All the Fish," yeah, where yeah. he talks about anyone who's not familiar with it, um, it's it's a kind of a comedy sci-fi series of books and so long and thanks for all the fish is about how dolphins are actually the uh the most intelligent species on earth and how they they kind of it's a long story but they own earth and humans are kind of experimental creatures and all of that but it makes you think like if if that you know with that's a comedy thing but with owls is it possible that they are, are they are, are they something are they something other are they um are they present on our earth and interacting with us in a way that we don't understand because they carry some kind of i don't know is it a secret of a from another world something like that i'm not saying that that's true but it's really it's really interesting how they're so prevalent in culture mm-hmm. um and i don't these know stories and these stories so now yeah. so yeah. so far since we've started the quantum mechanics we've got two contenders now haven't we we've got octopuses and we've got owls and i think they are (laughs) both of them equally bizarre maybe the octopus isn't so ingrained in our culture but yeah fascinating though well you know what i could talk about owls all day i think because it like i said if whether you go down the paranormal route or not there's something incredibly fascinating about them and maybe that's if you're a skeptic, that's where you'd lean, isn't it? There are just, they are unusual in many ways, so that's why we focus on them. But this idea that there is something more going on, be great to find out what you think out there, because um, I'm sure we'll return to in some way to owls. Well, we've mentioned them before on screen memories and various things. Definitely, owls, octopuses, and deers with red eyes. We will be coming back to right. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And they're not the only creatures who have screen memories. I I was reminded as we were talking about them, um, Paul Sutherland, who uh, is a great author, and uh, I'm going to, I hope to have him on the show one day. He talks about guinea pigs as being screen memories. But there is, yeah, but there is, there's a, uh, the, I guess there's a. I, I hesitate to use the word synchronicity, but there's a similarity between animals used as screen memories, which is things with big eyes, which yeah. also pulls into the the grey theory, and um, yeah, it's just kind of fascinating. But I would challenge anybody who has has children to find a more prevalent bird in their kids books than an owl because the, you know you do you do not get you get the owl and the pussycat you do not get the owl and the coltit 
You just you mm. you don't. Um, <laughs> the rhyming would be terrible on that. <laughs> yes, it really would. It really would. Maybe the pussycat but, just um, didn't have as good an agent as the owl. Um, excellent. Okay. Well, look, we. Uh, I hope you like that episode. That was fascinating, Ben. We are going to be off for a few weeks, aren't we? We are. We are. Um, it's getting hot in the UK. We need a holiday. We really got need holidays. Holiday. I'm moving house. We've just got so much yeah. on at the moment. So we're going to take four weeks off. Uh, I'm just trying to think when we're back. When are we back? We 18th. On the 18th. We'll be back with new episodes on the 18th. And we've got a new look, haven't we? Coming out on the 18th as well. We have. You will see some of our faces. Some of our faces. I mean, I say some of our faces. There's only two of us. Our faces. Yeah, that, that sounded more mysterious than it should have. <laughs> I, I don't know about you. Faces. I have nine faces. Yeah, yes. yeah. So... Um, Yes, we would have loved to have kept going over the summer, but we do need a bit of a break and we're really like full on holidays and moving and all kinds of stuff happening. So please bear with us um, and come back. Come back when we're back. Come see our new look. Tell us what you think of that. And um, maybe check out some of our uh, previous episodes in the meantime. Or if you come across one that you haven't heard, give it a listen and let us know what you think. Yeah, we'll we'll issue a little mini episode next week about uh, some of the episodes to listen to, which are kind of like some of the ones we're most proud of. Yeah, and yeah, let's you, do that. You, you, you guys might um, disagree, but um, <laughs> they're the ones they're the ones that we've we've done so far. But um, coming up in the autumn, we've got so much stuff planned uh mm. we've got some live stuff planned we've uh we're finally gonna go more out and do some more investigations get out uh, in the field we're gonna get out in the field we're gonna uh finally speak to some of the people that we've been trying to speak to for a while uh it's quite like doing a podcast it's it is hard and you have to spend a lot of time like talking to people and persuading them that you want to do a thing. But we've got so much planned. This is like, this is just a wee little break. We are not stopping anytime soon. And for all of you who have shared the show with your friends who have given it a review, um, our numbers have been jumping in the last couple of weeks or at least the last month. Uh, and I thank you so yeah, much really for that. Amazing. It's, yeah. it's been really amazing. This, uh, l like it, this is not a sub story, but it takes a quite a lot of our time to do this. And, uh, the thing that makes it worthwhile is people listening. So people like you, Ian, who comment and tell us what you think, because we're not perfect we're really open to comment is brilliant but if you like this show and you think there's someone else who would like to listen to 
people <laughs> rambling about absolute nonsense uh please tell them about it would be like so grateful because it's yeah. it's really hard it's really hard but we do it because you give us great feedback yeah definitely definitely okay so next week uh, or in the next couple of weeks while away we'll do that little mini thing where we talk about some of our favorite episodes for you to check out but um we'll see you back with a brand new episode in about a month yeah and we'll have a great summer everyone yeah or if you're in the part of the world where it's not summer have a great winter and if you're in somewhere <laughs> in between have a great in between those two that was a really bad way to sign off we'll see you later bye <laughs> bye <laughs> Are you the quantum mechanics? <laughs>